The Apostle Paul makes a rather odd statement as he writes his second letter to the Corinthians, from which we heard read a portion this morning. He talks about the gospel being veiled, with the inference being that sometimes people simply cannot see the good news. The people who are perishing, he calls them. He may be in one of his more cantankerous moods when he's implying that those shamefully acting Corinthians that they would not know the good news of God's love if it showed up smack dab in front of them. Or perhaps more uncomfortably for us 2,000 years later, in this letter of Holy Scripture, Paul is telling us that we do not recognize the good news of God's love when it shows up smack dab in front of us. Never think that we are more advanced than those party-loving people of Corinth. Paul's use of the trope of veiling and his reference to it a few verses earlier in his letter originate in the Old Testament story of Moses coming down from the mountain after talking with God while carrying those two tablets of the law. His experience of the divine presence, or dare we say the divine love, has been so intense that it causes his face to shine so brightly that people are afraid to look at him. So the solution, fell the face. In referencing that story, is Paul saying that sometimes it's necessary to obscure the good news? Or is Paul saying that the figurative law that we carry sometimes obscures the good news? Take your choice. But either way, it is an image that starts to become disconcerting, especially for people called to ordain ministry. In his comments immediately preceding the sentence about veiling, Paul is rather clear, perhaps to the point of being a thorn in the side, that his call is to refuse cunning and instead to openly proclaim the gospel. I suppose that's the call of anyone ordained in first century A.D. or the 21st. The examination that will soon follow in this liturgy states that priests are to proclaim by word and deed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Deacons are to make Christ and his redemptive love known. There is no bailing when necessary mentioned. But here's the rub. Don't expect a clear proclamation to always happen. And don't be disappointed no matter what we do when it doesn't. I speak from experience. As you might expect on this day that comes so close to my stepping off center stage, so to speak, I've been rather reflective lately. So much wisdom came to me too late in my vocational life. A wisdom that I wish I had had over 30 years ago, as well as its attendant courage. When I was ordained, I was going to change the world, or at least change the church. But these days, I wonder if the world changed me more than I changed it. My proclamation of the good news found a few veils being thrown over it, some of which were cast on by others, and some that I was only too ready to wear myself. I encourage the two of you being ordained today to take a look in the mirror occasionally and see how you're dressed what head covering you are carrying. Can people see the divine presence? Can people see the truth 
that Paul hopes will be openly proclaimed. To be ordained is to stand in a unique and sometimes frightening place. People will alternately adore and fear you. People want to be comforted, not made to feel uncomfortable. As the old saying goes, they will want you at the wedding, but they want you gone from the reception. <laughs> we clerics end up walking on the broken glass of a lot of people's dreams, as that poet R.S. Thomas once reminded us. It is the tightrope that we ordained people walk, all the while wearing that veil that people will have ready to put over our faces when they don't really want to see what the good news and justice and loving kindness look like. To see those things clearly might turn their world upside down, and it might turn ours upside down as well. Sometimes veils are convenient. Now what I've just said may sound like some bad or dispiriting news, but don't worry. Paul says that it's only those who refuse to see the good news who don't get it. Sometimes God love seems too extravagant for our taste. Some people will listen to your sermons and see how you live your life and reflect on how kindly you treat people, and they'll get it. And so on. As Paul says, we proclaim Jesus Christ. Our sometimes stumbling attempts, as imperfect as they might seem, will result in lives changed and hearts made whole. If you know anything about the history of my preaching, it is that equal to the people in this room, the resurrected Christ looks like the people who are not in this room and whom we rarely encounter as our equals. Whatever you do, however imperfectly, please be about the job of removing the veils that we have put on the face of Christ. When we decide that ego will give way to humility, and as we keep pointing to what resurrection looks like as a current reality, then somebody, somewhere, is going to have an aha moment, and it's going to make our difficult vocation worth all the effort. Here I also speak from experience. I've seen it happen, sometimes being reminded decades later about whatever it was that I did or said that made a difference in a life and caused someone to hold on to the good news of God's love in the here and now and not needing to wait for it until that person died. If there's a message in this sermon, is, is that your call, Thomas and Casey, indeed our call as Christians, is not always going to be clear. There will be moments, perhaps even long stretches of darkness, times when the gospel is veiled. But on occasion, veils will be lifted and eyes opened and people treated justly and lovingly and light shining just as Paul assures us. And that's when we're going to know that there is no other life than the life of Christian to which we have been called. Amen.